You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey, what's up? what's up, everybody? Hey. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick hey. us off here and explain what we're doing. <laughs> we are, this is a very special episode of After Impact, live as always. We are in honor of International Women's Day. We are doing a, an all-female cast today to discuss none other than Amelia Boone. And we have one of our uh, castmates there off-camera who will be reading the questions, which is Casey. Just in there. Uh, so, yeah, this really is going to be an all-female version. Even Wookie is a lovely young lady. So, um, super excited to have you guys do it. Very glad that you guys were champs and ready to dive in. It's weird sitting yeah. in your seat. Yeah? Yeah, it feels It's kind of weird. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. So, I'm going to be bottom running out, but before I go, I want to ask the first question. Ooh, all right. Okay. You ready? Wookie's right. ready. What was it about Amelia Boone that surprised you the most? Right, while you think about that, I will step out. All Enjoy right. the show, All everybody. Right. Make sure you send in your questions, Facebook Live. We want to know what you guys yeah, think. Yeah, so welcome, welcome. This is a Go very special day. We're too. super excited. We've never been in the, like... Yeah, like the two of us yeah. haven't ever done anything like this. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, we're wearing red, as much red as red. we possibly can. I, like, unfortunately don't own much red. I mostly wear dark colors, so ox blood it is. <laughs> ox blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Amelia. Boone, the thing that surprised me the most, um, I think just having the dynamics of being a tough woman, being sweet, intellectual, I didn't expect that from her because for the stuff that I knew about her, she was just a badass. Mm -hmm. And so kind of having, watching the discussion between her and Tom and um, what they were kind of, you know, how deep they were going and how realistic she could be about being a woman and what she was capable of. Like, I right. was super impressed with that. Like, I loved her vulnerability in, like, all of it. Yeah. Like, just talking about, like, the issues and the struggles that she went through. <laughs> I think the thing that most surprised me, or I guess, like, maybe most resonated with me, was the fact that she talked about how after her injury and, like, she couldn't do both, like, Spartan racing and like training and like being a lawyer, how it kind of dampered her productivity like mm -hmm. a little bit on the law side because it's like now she has all this extra time. And so it like totally brought me back to the times when I like used to have like jam packed schedules where it was like nonstop going all the time. And it like was probably the most productive I was. Because, it was, because it was just like jam packed and it was like, well, I have to finish it by this time mm -hmm. and be ready by this time and go, go, go. And it was just like, yeah, like I totally get that. Like, you know, that idea of like juggling multiple things at the same time and like using that to your advantage. Yeah, for sure. So it was cool to hear that from like both like high elite ends where it's like she's an, a power attorney and also like this powerful racer. I actually found that really interesting in the interview. Um, and if you guys haven't seen it, you should definitely go check it out. It is one, one of my personal favorites. Um, I admire her ex like so much. She's a badass. But like you said, she's also an attorney. And what I found inter interesting was when people said, um, How does she, what's her identity? Mm -hmm. And it almost changes depending on who you're around. Right. And I'm so curious on how many other women do that, right? Like if you're around your other female friends, does your identity alter or change then compared to if you're around a bunch of guys or if you're at work or if you're with your kids or your family? Um, I don't know, like how much of your, does your identity matter depending on who you're with? So, yeah, I'm going to propose yeah. the question to you. Does yeah, your, I mean, identity... I feel like I've always thought of identity as like super fluid in that way because like it is true depending on the context, like you fulfill a different role. So like I'm the oldest of four. So in my family, like I'm always the person kind of like trying to like run everything and like, you know, solve everybody's problems and like be the liaison between my parents and my siblings and all that kind of stuff. But then like when I'm with my friends, I'm not necessarily 
always a person like trying to organize things and like plan everything for so everybody. do you think that you're not the respon the responsible one when you're with people your age versus when you're in a situation with so your family it like it depends so it's like I guess maybe with my friends a little bit more I'm like sometimes a person who's like the calculated risk taker if you will mm -hmm. so it's um I'm definitely like more fun and spontaneous and I don't always have to like be in that responsible role even if like in the back of my mind I'm still like this is probably not a great idea but like you know it's just like a little bit different in terms of that I guess because yeah. it's like you're fulfilling like a different dynamic right. so it's like I feel like people who knew me in college they used to think like oh like there's no way that she has siblings and whatever because she's so like carefree and like whatever <laughs> and it's funny because you know like at home my sister still thinks like oh but you're so responsible I'm like no like mm -hmm. I feel like I'm being really irresponsible right now but I don't know it's yeah. I guess it also depends on who's looking yeah and I'm very much, very much the same, um, but it all, mostly for me, I think it depends on if I'm around my husband, Tom, as you guys know him, um, <laughs> or if I'm around, like if I'm in a role of being the boss within the company, right. it's very different than if I'm around even Tom in the company, because we've spoken about this publicly before, but um, we came up with really kind of defined roles within our marriage and then within the company business. So um, to me, he he is the CEO of the company. And so when if he puts his foot down, then that is the role that we have decided for him to play. And then for me to play the, you know, the president role. So I do ad adapt and adjust depending on the situation. Right. But I think as an oval identity, like if somebody asked me what I did, um, I don't think that would alter much. So, yeah, like the difference between identity and behavior, I think is like there's a big difference there right. as well. But I think it's because she kind of has like two professions. Yes. Like I think that's the, that's the difference. Because like in terms of behavior, absolutely, like you'll – migrate and navigate mm -hmm. the way you see fit but like the fact is like if she's like in a room full of people who are all like other obstacle racers or like know her as an athlete like right. she's probably going to be more inclined to introduce herself as an athlete because that's like what they are expect of her yeah so the attorney part of it is like almost like a secondary afterthought but like in like apple like they don't know her as amelia bloom the like spartan racer right. so it's yeah I think it's because, like, she kind of has, like, these two very solid, like, professions. Yeah. And I actually wonder, so I don't have children, but I wonder out there all the mothers who also work, uh, you know, have a specific profession. <laughs> Do you guys identify with being a professional when you're at work and then a mother at home? Um, or is there, like, a kind of, you know, like an overlap? I don't know because I don't have children. So I'd love to hear from you guys at home on what you think and, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't have kids either, so I'm all not right, really... let's hear from all you mothers out there. Not quite sure. In fact, my friend Nicole, who's probably watching right now in England, working mother, I want to hear from you. What is your opinion? All right. All right, so she talks a lot about fear. Mm -hmm. um, she says basically for her, if something is fearful, then you actually need to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard Tom talk about that a lot. We talk about that here, impact theory. Um, do you think that's universal? Like, do you think that everybody should face their fear? Uh, Whether you're a woman or a man. I mean, I'm, I kind of live by that guiding light. Like, in terms of all the times I've had the most fun or, like, learned the most mm. or grown the most, it's always been, like, something that, like, may have been, like, a little nerve-wracking at first. Or it's like, oh, that's probably not the best idea. Or, like, someone told me no. And mm. I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, because I'm also, like, a little bit stubborn and rebellious in that kind of, in that yeah. kind of way. <laughs> me? No way. Yeah. So it's, like, you know, just the same way that, like, I have three tattoos now. And my parents... I know. So I have three tattoos. And the, my first one I got, and, like, my parents never knew about it, like, ever. Okay. Until I moved, like, home, and I was there for a while. And then one day my mom stumbled upon it because I was like, oh, something, like, hurts. And, like, I lifted up my shirt, and it was, like, right there. And she's like, what, what's that? Yeah. It's like, and I'm not sure if my dad knows about that one, but now he knows about these But ones. did you get it because you 
did get so it's like i didn't fear necessarily getting the tattoo but like a lot of people say like your first tattoo is gonna hurt the most and also like the most painful places are places that are kind of like not fatty so like your ribs are supposed to hurt the most so my first tattoo was on my ribs and it's like on the smaller side but like even laying there on the table like i went with my friend and it like didn't actually hurt so it's like I realized for myself that physical pain isn't really something to fear like I've never been afraid of needles and shots and like because she actually talks about that the mind over the body right right? so when the body's fearing something like it's in pain Mm -hmm. that you can tell yourself in your mind like she she says that she talks to her body and so like if she's got a bad knee right she was talking to her knee saying come on knee you can do it right like almost coaching it through and I I think that's really interesting with women specifically. Um, maybe she even says, maybe it's because of childbirth. Yeah. Um, but once you kind of experience the pain, you're like, oh. It's yeah, not so bad. it's like it wasn't it wasn't bad. And then like the artist, like halfway through, he was just like, so like I don't usually say this, but like it's really weird. Like you're not in pain right, right. now because he's like used he's to- seen like grown ass men like fucking squirming right. like. Ah! Ah, stop like whatever and I was just like laying there I almost took a nap and like it was just it was kind of weird but like emotional pain like that hits me so hard like and that's always been like the case like Mm. so I don't know what that is that's actually really interesting because it's almost the reverse for guys right they you know typically and this has been very stereotypical but typically men can't take physical pain, right? It's like they stab, they, um, you know, stub their foot on something and it's, oh my God, I'm in agony. Yeah. You know, a woman does it, kind of brushes her foot and then yeah. walks on. But emotional, I actually think it's the opposite, right? Women handle emotional um, punches to the face <laughs> um, much harder than men. And I'm curious, like, do you think it's because of um, just stereotypes and people saying you know because you're a man you can't take emotion you have to like man up like I actually hate that mm-hmm. I hate that we kind of put men and women on the spectrum of physical and mental pain because if you're in pain you're in pain like if right. something actually hurts I don't like him it's like oh you're a worse stop being a woman right like a why is that being a woman mm-hmm. I don't understand why but then We're also if, if right if, if you're feeling that pain regardless if you're a man or woman, like I think the brushing that as to us aside is kind of um, insensitive. Yeah. So, no, I um, Crane is, is leaning in saying that she totally relates to me with what you're saying. Um, her first tattoo wasn't that bad, but emotional pain really rocks her as well. Mm. Thanks you guys for validating her experience. And then Joe Cross wants to know um, something that Casey's going to tell you all about. Come on, Casey. <laughs> Casey. Yes. That's a good question. That's so, a great question. I guess it's a personal thing. So for me, it's what's holding me back. So if I have a goal and um, the benefit of being married to my business partner is he's very real and honest with me. So he'll say like, look, if you want this, you have to do this. And no matter what kind of excuse I may want to give him, he'll just call me on it. So mm. it's and then looking at the people that you admire that also do it. Right. So if there's someone that is doing exactly what you want to do, I think breaking that down and looking at that person and saying, well, what skills do they have? What skills don't I have that they have? And then kind of then saying, okay, well, I need to learn this and then prioritizing what that skill level is. Yeah. I mean, I go from the angle of like trying it. So like no matter what it Mm. is, like you can dabble in the skill until like you figure out if this is something that you need to like go hard after. So like my, yeah, so like, so I'm not a runner and I preface this because like the day that I decided to sign up for my first half marathon, I was still in the mindset where I was like, I'm not really a runner, but at the same time, I need to, I need to do this because I feel like I've had too much trauma associated with running that I was like, I just need to get rid of that. It was just like, whatever. So it's like hitting the fear head on. Yeah, so it wasn't even fear. It was just the fact that, like, I hated running because every sport you play, that's your punishment. 
So it was like, you're having at a great- school. At school. Yeah. So it was like varsity athletics. Like you're always running sprints. You're right. like running laps, like whatever. And I had a lacrosse coach that literally made me like despise running because we ran more than we actually practiced the skills of lacrosse. And then in a game, when our skills failed, we would hmm. still run. Instead of working on those skills to get better at it, like I was in the best shape of my life because I was playing lacrosse and volleyball in that same season. But it was one of those things where it's like, I hate running and I need to like do something about it. And so it was actually right after I returned from my trip to Africa, which I'll tell you guys all about later, um, (laughs) is that I signed up 18 days before it and I like ran, I guess, for 15 days like you signed up trained. 18 days 18 before days you went to the half marathon, and then and you'd never practiced. Never really. I didn't run. I didn't Come run. Come on, that's pretty impressive. So it's like I was like, well, I'm. I have to do it. Like I have a deadline now. So it's like I need cool. to get out. I need to get out and run, right? So it's like I ran. Like I would jog. The most miles I ran was like seven before I like did the half marathon, and I was like patting myself on the back. I, I was like so I did seven miles, that. and like. And I finished the race in, like, an average amount of time. So I was like, well, and that's because, like, I was like, I had no choice. Like, I was already there. Yeah. Like, my mom's, like, at the finish line or whatever with, like, So you putting know. yourself in that situation, mm-hmm. you knew, giving, so it's like, without giving yourself a choice, yeah. it forced you to so learn So it's like, you had, it. I had to learn the skill. So it's like, I looked Love up, that. like, what half marathon trainings are, like, different tips and tricks. But at the same time, it was like, I also come from a place where I know that I can push my physical body. Right. So I'm like not saying like everyone should go sign up for a race 15 days or 18 days before and like do it. I'm just like, I just know that the physical aspect of it, I can overcome because yeah. like of, you know, previous history and like athletics. I see, I, we actually do that here at Impact Theory where we kind of give ourselves deadlines and mm. we're so not necessarily ready for yeah. that, that. Take the set. Right, so we booked Michael Strahan and we didn't have a set. We didn't have equipment. There was Mm -hmm. no lights. And so, but having that pressure of that deadline kind of forced us to figure out how to get it done and then figure out what skills do we have to Mm -hmm. get or even if we don't have time to train on the skill. like, like, just just do it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I never thought about it from a physical perspective. but Yeah, so it's like, it was kind of it was cool it nice. was I was like I finished it and I was very proud of myself and then everyone's like oh you're gonna be super sore after and like you're not gonna want to be able to walk like you're not gonna be able to walk yeah. and so it's like I prepared for that like I like iced down my whole body whatever and then the next nice. day I was at like an aerial yoga class so it's just like it's kind of being able to kind of prepare as yeah. much as you can and then like go after it and try it Amazing. See. All right, we're getting Casey's flagged. Got Another a question. question. Let's hear it. <coughs> oh, I love Dan, Dan Bro Fitness. Um, what is the lesson fear has taught you? How did you overcome it? A lesson fear has taught, has taught you. Hmm. I've got some notes here on fear. Hmm. A lesson that um, fear has taught me. I think really to kind of like Amelia to hit it head on. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I've been fearful of something, it's never like not doing it has never served me. Yeah. So kind of just facing it and saying, okay, well, if I fail, that's okay. Right. Accepting the failure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. Cause I'm going to learn from it. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like fear, I feel like I don't have that many because I probably have, because I've had a history of like always just doing them. So now it's like my fears are heights, but it's not actually heights. It's more like the fall. So like if I were to look over the edge and be dangling, like, yeah, I'm freaking out. Cause like, you know, you could die, but like getting up there, I've like been able to like coach myself to do that. Like you know, rock climbing or, you know, just climbing tall buildings or going to rooftop parties. Like, you know, it's, it's again, like, putting yourself in situations where the benefit of, like, the experience outweighs the fear. All right, so let's take fear from a different perspective. Okay. Something you can't test. So, for Mm -hmm. instance, one thing Tom and I have spoken about a lot is, do we have children or not? Mm -hmm. Now, the fear that I have is, if I don't have children in 10, 20 years, 
God forbid something happened to my husband. But we have the very honest conversations, right? So if something happened to him and in 10 or 20 years, we don't have children and now I'm alone and I'm too old, I can't have children, what will you do then? Now, I, I have that fear. It's mm -hmm. a genuine fear that I have. But I, there's nothing to test. Right. So really, for me, with that fear, I go, okay, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario. Okay, I know that in 10, 20 years, God forbid something happened, or on my deathbed, whatever. I don't have kids. I fear being alone. Mm -hmm. But is that fear worth sacrificing my decisions that I make today? Right? A possible something that could possibly happen. Right. Would I make a decision today to change the rest of my life because I fear what may happen? So that's something that I really kind of talk about, Tom and I discuss a lot. Um, and with that situation, I'm not going to succumb to the fear. So right. I look at the worst case scenario and I, um, I say, okay, I'm okay with that. Like mm -hmm. it would suck. I would be obviously heartbroken. Um, I may regret it. But I can't make a decision now based on a fear that I, I have that could something could happen. Right. But do you also feel that in, in thinking about that worst case scenario, you've already prepared yourself for it? Yes. In terms of like building the infrastructure hmm. around yourself to like not feel that way. Because you're not actually going to be alone. Like right. you have family and like friends and people who love you. So sure. like I feel like it's it's in preparation for that. You'll know that like, hey, maybe I won't have as much, like, have Tom, mm -hmm. but, like, you'll have, like, those pieces t that kind of hold so you together. So almost using that as a way to defear? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, like now? Because if I have that for you, are saying if you just look at this, the situation and have other pieces, yeah. then it can reduce the fear that I have currently. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it's interesting. at least it like that. for me, sometimes that's how I think of it, where it's, like, whenever I'm feeling, like, oh, my God, like, I'm so alone in this, like, I always, like, pull upon, like, no, but right now I might be by myself, but at the same time, it's, like, I have my sister, mm -hmm. I have my mom, mm -hmm. I have my dad, and if I didn't have them, I still have a lot of other people who, like, form this, like, unit that, like, you know, occupies my heart, if you will. That's actually a really cool way of thinking about it. I really like that. All right. Yeah. Got any other questions? All right. All right. So um, there's actually a couple of quotes that Amelia said that really resonated with me mm -hmm. um, that I'd like to read out and get your opinion on. Oh. Oh, before we do that, oh. Casey's waving us. The suspense of the quotes. I know. <laughs> uh, we have some comments from Anna Mina. Who uh -huh. says, Oh yeah. yeah. I also right. I also I also um <laughs> I brought my Spartan medal because now. this was another one of those things where it's like I signed up for it not knowing what it like how big it was like so usually people like sign up for Spartan races and they do like the small one and the medium one and then the large one to like form the trifecta. I was like, well, this one is a convenient date for me <laughs> and it seems nice. And it, it turned out to be the one that was going to be like 14 miles. And uh, respect. Yeah. So it's like I did it. I crushed it with one of my friends, Kim. She's out there somewhere. Maybe she'll see this. I'll send it to her later and give her that shout out. And so she was like, she's the one who actually told me after like I'd been like, let's sign up. She was like, you know, that's like the, the big one, right? Like the, the like 11 to 14 miler yeah. obstacles. Like it's going to be kind of cold still in Jersey. Like what are you? I was like, oh, no, but okay. But isn't there something to almost not knowing <laughs> what you're getting yourself into? Yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. And when she said like it gets harder every time like she does another one yeah. because like she's had previous experiences to like pull upon. Yeah we were going into it blind like we didn't know what like obstacles were like the fact that like you start the race over an obstacle like you don't just like get onto the course and they're like all right go they like have you jump over a giant wall as right. your first thing and then you just like keep going with all the other obstacles all over the mountain and then they te like our race they teased us because like we could see the finish line but like between us and the finish line was like a monster so right. that you still had to get up and then like do some other things. Oh, I felt yeah. like there was more to that comment, oh no. Yeah. There's another comment, but now there's several more comments. So 
All right, let's. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So when are you going to do your full marathon? Oh, yeah. thanks, guys. Let's get her to do the full one. Yeah, so that was Just like on my list. don't tell her what to expect. So that was one of those things where it's like I had all these like, you know, fitness related goals. Mm-hmm. And like, so they were all serving me at the time. And like I had all this extra time in terms of like training and going to gyms and being like a cross athlete, if you will. But then like after my move, like I feel like I'm still adjusting in a different way. So, like, even though I want to, I still have in the back of my mind that I will complete, like, I think it's three full marathons by, I think it's 2020. Oh, we had, you got that on camera I think it's 2020. I need to, like, go back and look at the actual sheet that I wrote it on. Um, But setting yourself goals like that, almost forcing you to hit them because you don't want to fail. Yeah. So, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, I had it, like, set out there. And, um... I'll do it. Like I, the next one I was going to do was um, Seawees, but I was trying to sign up for it, but my internet didn't work in mm-hmm. Bali, and so I missed that sign up for that like half marathon in Vancouver. So it's like I'm there sure will be another one. Exactly. There are like there are plenty all the time. Yeah. It's just now, you know, dedicating the time to like go do it, right. and I'll probably do some more obstacle races because they're a lot more fun me well the one thing about amelia so um she actually oh oh, let me finish just this one cool thing about amelia (laughs) i gotta say it um so she basically won um the world world's toughest mother Mm -hmm. three times that's crazy three times and that's competing against men and women yeah so um and then one of them was eight weeks after knee surgery Yep. And she didn't put herself in a category of she's a man or so she's a woman and so she's not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Like she was like, okay, I'm competing. Doesn't matter that I'm a woman. I'm competing against men. It, she put herself at a certain level and I will do this. And I really just got to respect that. That woman is badass. Yeah, absolutely. Like it also kind of reminds me of like when Laird Hamilton was talking about post-surgery and like Gabby as well where they don't really take, like, painkillers and mm. things like that because they, like, let their bodies do the healing. Feel it, yeah. And so I feel like it's kind of that mind over matter thing. So yeah. it's like she was like, well, I'm going to fucking do it because right. it's like I feel prepared enough and then just went after it. But I actually do that in an emotional way as well. Mm-hmm. So if something's upset me or if something traumatic has happened in the family or to myself or something, it's giving myself a certain amount of time to heal. But yeah. then after that... You better let it go and move on. And I kind of see that, you know, similarity in her where she's like, I'm in pain, but I've got this deadline. I have to do it. I'm just going to do it. Like, no excuses. Mm -hmm. She gave herself however many weeks to heal. And then she was up and doing it. And I think that doing that also in an emotional way is very powerful. Oh, it really is. I'm going to feel sorry for myself for exactly three days. And then after those three days, you better get on to doing stuff doing stuff exactly <laughs> sort of looking and saying oh my god i'm hurt or yeah. i'm in pain or i'm upset or yeah I, th- I find it very powerful yeah all right casey let's hear it um, laura to brain is asking what are some action steps you take when fear is paralyzing your ability to make an important decision what's interesting mm. is so decision making yeah in my personal life i actually find it really hard to decide on things because I think it's because I'm taking into account other people's emotions, mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. around you, the situation. Yeah. I don't want to be too fussy, even though I'm really fuzzy. Um, <laughs> but that's why I almost like, I feel somewhat paralyzed. Yeah. Like, oh, I really want this, but I don't want to upset that person. This person wants yeah. that. And then I have to take an emotion into, the, into consideration. When it comes to business, it's literally, is this going to hold the company back? Right. right? I, I can't be weak and let my own fears hold the company back, hold my husband back, hold what we're trying to build back. So for me, it's like, I don't give myself the option to let it paralyze me. But in my personal life, I do, because I'm worried about upsetting people. So I think, yeah, which is where we do the whole selfish desire thing. 
When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So what's your selfish desire? What's my selfish desire? Um, and then trying to figure that out. But um, but yeah, I don't let it paralyze me in the work. Yeah. Uh... Can you repeat the question really quick? Sure. Yeah, actually, I think I digressed into decision-making versus fear, but... What are some action steps you take when fear is paralyzing your ability to make an important decision? Got it. Huh. Well, I mean, <laughs> you could go, like, the completely silly route and, like... Is that the route you go? So, like, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Like, I'll... I'll, like, just put, like, little, I'll, like, okay, so I love post-it notes. So I might, like, scribble down, like, what the different choices are, if you will, and then just, like, crumple them up and then just, like, toss them what or whatever and then just, like, pick up whichever one, like, lands a certain way or, like, just pick a random one, right? And then if I open it up and, like, I'm not happy with that decision, then I know that, like, my gut's telling me, okay, like, this is what you actually want. Because then if, like, whatever it is, like, if I open it up, I'm disappointed. Like, yeah. let's say it's, it's like... like... the toss of the coin, right? Yeah, it's like the coin yeah. flip, except it's, like, now you also have taken away, like, 
I didn't make this 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 decision, but like now I get to. So it's like because you relinquished control for a moment and you were like you let the universe, the wind, yeah, whatever yeah. take over like that process and then you were unsatisfied with it. Then it's like now it's like, OK, so what is the actual decision that I want? So make? you're almost using that as a realization of your true deep emotions. Yeah. So it's like, cool. yeah, so it's like it's kind of it's for me like now I, I've like really really learned that like I love my gut and like my gut is usually like right like most anytime that I've like been like oh like maybe this isn't mm," and like it didn't feel right for me like was probably not the best choice Mm. like going to law school I like I value everything that I learned there but it was like a definite like point where it was like I definitely didn't listen to my gut but I listened to the expectations of the people around me. So putting yourself in that situation where your gut can speak for itself. Yeah. I actually do that with, with um, what I wear, with Tom. Mm-hmm. So let's say I can't decide what to wear. I've this couple of outfits I'm not sure on. Do I go sexy? Do I go fun? Do I go cool? Like kind of not yeah. sure. I'll put on an outfit. I'll show Tom. And then I'll put on the other outfit. And he'll say, oh, I really like that one. I almost then test myself like, oh, I didn't want to wear that. <laughs> but then it goes okay well I realized he didn't want to wear that and then I'll wear the other outfit now the funny thing mm-hmm. is he looks at me and he's in off camera he looks at me and he's like why the hell did you ask me if you're not even going to listen to my it's like it's not that I actually am not going to listen the fact that you gave me your answer allowed me to decide trusting yeah. the gut feeling yeah because it's like you it's already like knew what you wanted paper like you already knew what you wanted yeah but like something is trying to tell you like maybe it'll be more pleasing to Lisa, right. like if I do this particular right, right, thing. Right. But then it's like, no. But then you realize what is my goal, yeah. right? Because if my goal is to make sure that my husband thinks I look amazing, then I'm going to go with what he yeah. wanted me to wear. But if it's like, I just, like, I, there's a certain feeling I want to get today. So like, I want to feel tough. I want to feel mm-hmm. cute, like whatever that is. Yeah. Then you kind of then go off that you, gut yeah. emotion, yeah. Aren't there like it's, nerves in the gut? There are. They're like a bunch of neurons. 50 million? Neurons. 50 million neurons in the gut. Yeah. So. It's like, and that's why there are a lot of links to like depression and stuff. Because like, I think yeah. it's mostly serotonin and dopamine down there. Nice. Yeah. Look at you. Hashtag nerd um, So this is a quote it. that I really oh. liked. Quote section? Quote section. <laughs> All right. So I actually printed it as well because I'm a very visual person. So beating yourself up over something that happened in the past isn't going to change it. Amelia Boone. Mm. What do you think about that? Oh, that's like 1,000% correct. But why do you think then people really do beat themselves up? Like if everybody knows this, if everybody knows that when you beat yourself up, it's not going to change anything, why do you think we do it? Especially women, I think. Because... I mean, part of it is, like, you get into a cycle. And, like, if you think of everything in a cycle, like, once you start down a path, like, you can create that snowball. So it's the same way. It's like, I'm already sad. Like, I'm going to watch a sad movie. And then it's like, I'm going to cry about it. And then I'm going to cry about something else. Like, where you start crying and then now you're Mm. thinking of other sad shit to cry about. Like, I've also done that. But, like, in this way of, like, catharsis where it's like, I know that I need this cry. Like, because I'm a big crier. Like, my... All my emotions are attached to my tear ducts. So, like, if I'm overjoyed and overwhelmed, like, I'm crying. If I'm frustrated, I'm crying. If I'm mad, I'm crying. Like, <laughs> if I'm sad, I'm crying. Like, if I'm so happy and I'm, like, so in love and, like, yeah, like, excited, I'm probably crying. So, at the same time, it's, like, you can get into those spirals right. where it's, like, oh, like, one negative thought's not going to hurt. And then, like, you start on another one and then another one. And it's, like, oh, remember that time that someone in third grade, like, they called me this. And, like, now you've suddenly blown everything into this right. crazy thing. But in the same way that, like, if you were to stop and break that cycle and then start on a new snowball, you can kind of create a different positive effect. Like, replacing the But that's the thing of, like, making sure that you stop that cycle. Yeah. Right? Because so many people, like you said, it starts off, I'm just going to watch a sad movie. I'm just going to bitch and moan to my friend about this one... I'm just going to do this one phone call, and then I'm going to... But then it almost feeds into that feeling. It does. So, yeah, she talks about that. Yeah, and it's the same way with, like, a lot of people suffering with depression. It's, like, it starts off as, like, oh, like, I'm feeling kind of lethargic. 
And then like you do all these other things that like start to create that like effect and like suddenly you're fully paralyzed by it and you can't do anything. And so that's why it's like people talk about a lot about like breaking those cycles or breaking your routine in depression Mm -hmm. um, in order to help bring yourself back into the light. Yeah, and one thing that um, Amelia does, which I really like, is she actually puts herself as like a th- th- the third person. Mm-hmm. So almost taking yourself out and then looking at it, um, she tries to depersonalize it is what um, I believe she says. So it's kind of saying, okay, well, if my sister was, at, right, someone that you really yeah. care about, a female in your life or somebody in your life that you really care about, if they were doing this, what would I advise them? The first thing I would say is stop watching the sad movie, stop be talking about the negative side of it, right? And then the people around you, have them speak positively. And mm-hmm. I've done that in the past as well. Like if I'm going through a tough situation and I don't want pity, I don't want people to feel sorry for me or to be like, how are you feeling? Are mm-hmm. you okay? Because what does that do? It reinforces that negative spiral yeah. that you're in. Yeah. Like I have some people that like I'll even text and just be like, can you just say something nice to me oh, today? That's cool. Like, especially during law school when I was, like, really struggling with everything, I would be like, all right, listen, all I need for you to to do today is, like, just send me nice shit randomly. But it's awesome that you're aware of that. Yeah. And it's, it's, again, that self-awareness and, like, learning a little bit about yourself as you keep learning and, like, finding these other tools that, like, help you through. Yeah. That's a really powerful one. Yeah. knowing what to do and asking people to yeah because it's like I was always really bad at asking for help sometimes like when it comes to like emotional things yeah so it's like now I I always take a very like proactive approach was there anything that you can remember that broke that like how did you um, go from one to the other I can't think of a particular instance but it was definitely times when like I felt like I was struggling and alone and then finally one day, like, you know, I randomly talked to someone at like four o'clock in the morning on like a college quad, like eating French fries and like realizing that like we're having the same experience. Mm. And so it's like, OK, so if I'm feeling this way and like on the outside, I feel like, oh, she's so put together or seems put together, then it's like, OK, so that means that other people kind of need this service. Right. So it's like something that maybe I started doing for others sometimes. Yeah. And then it also was something that I was like, well, if I know that this helps them and like makes them feel good, then like maybe I can ask for it back. That's cool. And so it's like definitely something a lot of like my closest girlfriends we do like sometimes where it's like they'll just send a text where it's like, I haven't heard from you in a long time. It's like, everything okay or it's like I'd send that same text it's like oh like how's everything going because it's like you start to know someone's like patterns and things like that and yeah and then even in my own family all right I think we've got another question we do nice let's do it hey Joe. what's up Joe? God, I love that question. Mm. Um, at least for me, it really resonates mm. because um, I love what we do here. I love what I do in my position. I love the company we're building. I love our goals. Um, and it kind of comes down to, you know, the question I had to ask myself was like, I grew up thinking I was going to have children, right? Greek Orthodox, you get mm. married, you have kids. Um, I even it's remember... It's even in the ceremony. I was just recently yeah. at one. I was like, huh. Yeah, I love my father to bits, to bits. But um, when I told him I wanted to go to film school, he, you know, he's very kind of um, traditional in the Mm -hmm. maths, the history, the teaching, the profession. Um, And when I wanted to go into film school, he was like, no, there's no money in it. What are you going (laughs) to do? Like, that's, you know, and I was like hell bent. And he turned around to me eventually and he was like, well, you're going to get married and have kids in a way, so it doesn't really matter, sure. That's how I ended up going to film school. <laughs> he allowed me to go because he thought that I was eventually... Oh, my God. Now, I didn't take that personally because for me, I was like, awesome, I get what I want. Right. Um, but it was ingrained in me and my culture that basically you're going to get married and have kids. So after being married, you know, we're now going on our 15-year um, wedding anniversary. Uh, we've discussed it every year. 
And the truth has, every year that I've gotten older, I found myself more and more. And I found, God, I hate to say my calling because that almost sounds a little cheesy, mm. but I found what I really am passionate about. And um, working towards that, I've really thought about the struggle between having a family, being a mother, having kids, and then being a professional. Yeah. Um, and so really, I think it ultimately comes down to what is that final goal I'm trying to get to. Right. Um, I know that I don't want to have kids and then have someone else bring them up, right? So mm -hmm. I was kind of always almost breaking things down into like micro decisions. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to have um, a nanny just look after my children. If I'm going to have kids, I want to be the, dry, you know, the, the main person in their lives. So if I know that, then um, I know that, okay, well, this means that I would have to give up work at least for some period of time. Right. And then do I want to do that? Does that move me towards my bigger goal of creating impact mm -hmm. and then saying okay these are my two buckets and which one am I willing to sacrifice more and that's at least how I've taken um, multiple things that I've wanted to do and kind of decided which ones to pursue yeah that totally makes sense I feel like I'm I'm still pretty like early in that like grand scheme of life decision making mm -hmm. process but like definitely even like on the micro micro level choosing what to pursue so like I played varsity sports all through high school and then given the choice between also playing varsity volleyball and like playing club, mm -hmm. like I chose club because at the time I was like, well, I just spent Being the last... Being British, I have no idea what that so, means. So I was really good at sports. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really good at lacrosse and volleyball. Okay. So like this decision time came where I was like, do I want to pursue lacrosse or do I want to pursue volleyball? Like okay. even in terms of, so I did like extra camps and practices and all that stuff for volleyball. But there's only so. one you can... So it's like, I mean, I did both of them for a while. In college, I was like, well, I could also try out for the varsity team there and spend another four years being a varsity athlete. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that's a different time commitment. That's like a lot of different things. But like for me, when I was making that decision, I was like, well, I know that there are a lot of other passions I wanted to pursue, but because of like the time that I dedicated to athletics, I couldn't pursue them. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, if I want to pursue maybe the arts or if I want to like try something new, like I don't want to necessarily like have something get in the way of that. Right. So it was like, even in making that decision where I was like, well, I'll take the one that's like a lesser time commitment, but still fulfills like the fun and like team and camaraderie. And like, eventually I was president and coach of that right. like team and everything was just like figuring out what my goals are yeah. for those next four years or what I wanted my next four years to look like. So like that journey of self-discovery yeah. and not having necessarily that team unit like automatically from day one was also integral to like my college experience. So it seems very similar, having that big goal and then making small micro decisions along the way that yeah. take you there. Yeah. Nice. All right. Let's oh. hear another one, Case. Um, We're on a roll with these questions. Anna. Um, Anna. What about the balance between work and leisure time? How do you know when it's time to rest a bit or the goals that you set for yourself were actually way too high? Oh, mm. well, Amelia talks about rest. <laughs> yeah, That's a big discussion between Tom and Amelia. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's really, God. God, it's Can so... you repeat the question? I want to make sure that I actually... <laughs> So I'm going to quote um, Lisa Nichols. She mm. says, I don't seek balance, I seek harmony. Oh yes. my God, I love it. When she said that, it so resonated with me because some people need balance in their life. They need equal amount of rest, equal mm -hmm. amount of work time. Because that's one of those how people. you're not one of those people. No, no me either. <laughs> but that's how they then kind of say, This is how I stay centered. This is how I keep my calm because I need a, you know, a balance of both. I actually don't. So knowing that about myself, but I still seek harmony, right? So mm. I will go hard in the gym. I will go hard at work. And once upon a time, I used to feel guilty about resting, right? Like if I'm just yeah. sitting there watching the Real Housewives of um, Orange County, Beverly Hills, what up, Lily? <laughs> um, my sister's obsessed with it as well. But um, right, like using that time saying, I'm not learning anything. 
It is pure guilty pleasure of why I'm watching the show, but it's okay. And allowing yourself those kind of mm -hmm. things in your own mind about like, is this, is this something that I need to help me move forward? And the truth is, yes, sitting down for me and watching mindless television yeah. is exactly what I need to then hit the gym hard the next day, to hit work hard. Um, but it's not balanced. It's, you know, an hour of yeah. watching mindless television versus 12, 13 hours of hard work. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so I don't, I just, and knowing myself and knowing when I need yeah. to. Yeah, that self-awareness thing and like balance doesn't necessarily exist. But like it's been a trial and error thing for, you. for me. Mm -hmm. Yes, because like, like Amelia said, like you can push yourself and like I have pushed myself and like sometimes mm. to the point where it's like, all right, you actually need to slow down because right. your body is shutting down, right. like you are shutting down. And so it's like now it's like I'm because I've done it enough times, like I can just be like, all right, well, I need to do something, whether it's like I need to fulfill more social needs. And so it's like now I actually like have a calendar that like is in yellow and it's like it's on my iPhone and it's just like called for the love of Cindy so it's like anything that I that's put so in there cool. it's like that's my commitment to myself to do something to like make myself happy whether it's like I'm I need to go get a manicure or it's like I need to go like to my favorite spin studio this weekend and like just ride it out on mm -hmm. a bike or it's like I'm just going to sit <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. sit or it's like, I'm just going to go see all of the people that I know, like, truly bring joy into my life. Or it's like, catch up with them, FaceTime, like, all that kind of stuff. Because I'm far away from a lot of people that, like, I used to be able to just, like, call and, like, hop on the train and, like, see in, like, 20 minutes. So, yeah, that's been a learning experience. Because one time I, I literally worked myself into, like, I had walking pneumonia for, like, three months. And Damn, didn't actually know. Yeah. Yeah. That was the that was the lovely season where I was like <laughs> I was coaching volleyball. I was the president of our club team. I was a sophomore in college. I was like taking like a full course load and like, you know, seeing all my friends like every weekend, going mm -hmm. out all the time, all that kind of stuff. So like balancing everything, that balancing everything. Sure. Um, and then still obviously doing schoolwork. And because I was like so like dedicated to all that I was like up till 3 a.m. all the time then I would wake up at like 10 or 8 even and like just like keep doing that keep doing that and like one day I got sick and then I was like oh like I feel better enough and then just like kept going I wrote mm -hmm. like I wrote it out and like I'd, I'd lost weight like by the time I like got home my mom was like are you okay and I was like yeah I'm fine like I didn't just almost pass out on a volleyball court or anything <laughs> like so so that was such an extreme that like mm. now anything where I'm like, actually you need to yeah. to take stock and figure out if are you actually sick or are, is your body actually telling you mm. like you need to slow down because like your body has a way of like telling you these things, whether it's like you're just burnt out from work or like whatever, mm. ha like what have you, like your body always knows. So using experiences and then self-assessing those experiences mm -hmm. and really being honest with yeah. yourself about um, what is actually good for you, what is actually moving mm -hmm. you forward or in the long run, right, holding you back. Right. Because having walking pneumonia, I'm having sure walking pneumonia, I was like, best, right? I was I was doing great or so I thought, right. but it was like, I was definitely weak. Right. Like I was like getting winded coming up the stairs, but I was like, I've been like working out like this entire semester yeah. and all this stuff. And it's like, and, and this was like a fun one. So I like didn't have my period for like four months. Right. And I like, had no idea like I didn't think about it because that I was like was so like on the go and like yeah. moving and all that kind of stuff that it was like when it finally like the, finally the doctor asked that question and I was like trying to rack my brain like because uh, I just didn't even notice sure. because like you know that's what you like when you push yourself push yourself push yourself and so now because of those like situations I've like learned okay like you need to take a yeah breather every once in a while or just check in with yourself right that's a big deal yeah oh yeah mm. I don't know if that's a thing yeah to be honest I don't believe your goals are ever too high and maybe right. it's just being around Tom Billu for uh for 17 years but 
yeah, to me, I never think about my goals being too high. I think about Elon Musk, right? Like, I'm going to build a rocket ship to Mars and we're going to, you know, um, live over there. And, like, is that a too high a goal? If he thought it was, it, he wouldn't be putting in the steps to do it. Mm -hmm. So... And I always get, like, honestly, even before we started Quest, it was, um, your heads are in the clouds. What are you guys thinking? It's never going to work. Like, yeah. I got that from a lot of people. But if I listen to it or listen to their, I, I actually think it comes from fear, right? Because yeah. you're going to fail, so I don't want you to go through that. So lower your yeah. expectations, lower your goals, because then you can hit them and you can feel good about yourself. Um, but I don't think like that, right? Mm -hmm. It's set the goals high, really high and work your ass off to try and get there now yeah. you may fail along the way but that's okay mm -hmm. but yeah to me um thinking about how high my goals are is just something that I, I never even consider yeah because I mean even in that failure you learn what you could have done to right. improve so it's like I mean if you take it back to like sport too like if you like lose a match you have like all of these experiences that you now know like right. I should have done this better right. but then but, you also have to not dwell on that right like you have to have a short attention right. span for that but like take Amelia for example right if she thought like I'm gonna win the mud the world mother toughest, um, toughest thank you um people I'm sure thought she was nuts right but mm -hmm. if she didn't set that goal would she have ever actually achieved it yeah. You know, or coming out of surgery eight weeks later, I'm sure everybody told her she was crazy. You're never going to win. You're never even going to, you know, get halfway there, lower your goals, lower your expectations. Um, and she just didn't have it. Right? She yeah. wasn't. And even if, even if she came in last, the fact that she still went for it to me is very admirable. Exactly. Like it's not, like you were saying, right? It's not the failure. It's the fact that you're willing to, to try it. Put yourself out there and try. So. Any other yeah. questions? Yeah. All right. Uh, you. Oh, in fact, sorry, before you say that, I've actually got a quote that kind of comes back to that one thing. Mm -hmm. So Amelia said, don't limit yourself. Don't label yourself. Constantly try and break, break, break boundaries and barriers. You don't have to choose. Yes, I love that. So I love that. That's a perfect uh, response as well. Um, so, I mean, my parents are Nigerian, so that just means everything is high expectations. So <laughs> it's, yeah. so like you both learn how to push yourself within that. And then like, if you're like me, like kind of find ways to bend those rules to, to work to your advantage, if you will, because like my parents, so I'm first generation American and so my parents came from a culture where it's like hard work, dedication, like you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a pharmacist. And like that's those are really my choices. Um, and so, you know, here here comes me and I'm like really into the arts and humanities. Like I used to like doodle and like draw and stuff. And then I like stopped that. I shelved it because it was like those aren't that's not really necessarily what's expected of you. But like the thing that always stuck through was like my interest in writing and that was like another thing that like my parents mostly supported because they were like this is so good yeah um and so but you're very hard working yes so and you, the thing is it's like that's because that's been ingrained with right. me since like I was little because like my mom works hard my dad works hard like hours and hours on end like you're expected to work really hard right. and so it's like you know and if you don't get it right the first time and you didn't get that a like what happened so it's like I, I could take a test to my dad and it could be like a 97 where are those other three points hmm. like where are those other three points especially my math grades because that like the hard sciences and stuff was like also very important in my family hmm. so you know like I had to work doubly hard in math to like get like a b plus like a minus like if I was really really trying and it would actually take away time from like the subjects that I liked so it's like also early on I learned that like sometimes you just got to do stuff that sucks and you don't like it and you just got to get it over with and so I would start with those so I'd start with my math homework because I knew that it was going to take me double the amount of time because I'm going to get it wrong and it's going to still be wrong and I'm going to like 
go back and trying to figure out what's like wrong with it. But I never could tell because like whatever. And like, you know, I'd go in for early help. I would go in after school. I'd go during lunch, all that kind of stuff. And so it's like I busted my ass in those subjects. But then like I would enjoy the hell out of my English like homework or my history homework or like, you know, writing psych papers or whatever, because like that gave me the juice. So it's like, but I knew that I still needed to like deliver on being a well-rounded individual, which is like another thing that my parents are very big into. My mom never really pushed me for the A's. Um, My dad did, but my mom didn't. Yeah, my Um, mom's a different beast. Really? Yeah. Um, So yeah, my mom, it was more like my mom kind of, asked me whether I did everything I could. And that was interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because so I, um, my parents were divorced, so I lived with my mom, still saw my dad almost every day, but um, on a day-to-day basis, it was definitely my mom. Mm-hmm. And so she would say to me things like, if I got a bad grade, um, did you work your hardest? Yeah. And man, that question, because the truth is no. So <laughs> it wasn't about the result. It was about what I did to get the result. Right. Um, And so it's what result do you want to get and then work to get that. So um, I studied art, love art, um, used to draw all the time, but hated it at school because people used to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I was a creative. I want to draw. Let me do my own thing. (laughs) But the art teacher wasn't having any of it. Right. You have to sculpt. You have to paint. And I didn't want to do it. So I got a D. And my mom literally turned around to me. And this is ingrained in me forever she turned around to me and she said what's more important getting the grade or doing what you enjoy and being and being right I thought well I really need the grade to get into university like this is my bigger goal so to be honest I I guess it's my grade so she says just do what they say then like if that is your goal do what you need to do to get that A and so I stopped being stubborn the I (laughs) took over the paintbrush I started sculpting and I got an A I hated it but at least that was my choice and decision to, to, to basically find like the result. Like play within yeah. that system. So I Because sometimes that's what it is. Exactly. So I think that's definitely what I learned from my mom and from my dad. He just, he came from a tiny village in Cyprus in the middle of nowhere. He had to dig ditches to get basically 10 cents. I mean, he, he grew up poor. Um, and for me, what I learned from him is hard work. Mm-hmm. Is, is nothing's ever going to be given to you. Don't expect anything from anybody. Um, earn it. And so, yeah. yeah. So for me, those were the two I, I like that, like, distinction, too, because, like, my mom definitely was the one who was, like, did you, like, do your best? Like, how do you feel about that? Because that's why I was, like, super, like, I worked so hard in the math class. Because, like, my dad wanted the result, and my mom was, mm. like, about the process. So the that's thing so is, it's, like, the two of them combined, like, you, I had to hold those two ideas in my head. So I also had to be able to say with pride why I didn't have straight A's, right. but like also be able to say like, but this is everything that I did to like get this B. <laughs> like this is everything I did. And it's like, and I worked really hard. And then on top of that, it's like, don't forget, like I was uh, an athlete and I was like super involved in extracurriculars mm-hmm. and I was doing all these other things and I was still making sure that I pulled in the results. So it's, yeah. But it's so similar that I wonder, like, do you think that's a man-woman thing? I don't know. I think, well, here, I feel like for What do you for guys me, think? I'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah. So for, for me, I feel like it's also, like, ingrained in, like, the culture for, like, Nigeria, only because it's a very patriarchal society still. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, my dad's job was that's to go out, work hard, and, like, bring yeah. money home yeah. and, like, make sure the family's taken care of. My mom also like has some of the shares and some of those responsibilities, but like it's also in the way that if I do well or if my brother did well or like the kids did well, my dad gets the praise. But if we fuck up, it's my mom. Hmm. Like and that's like that I feel like that's kind of like goes back to the village too. So yeah. it's like my mom was telling me one time it's like, well, so if like your son like gets met like messes up or whatever it's like that's your son now and like it's no longer so you think it's the combination of gender and culture Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i never thought of it like that 
All right. So I think we're going to no. have to wrap up now. We didn't even get to like Amelia as uh, a role model. Oh my God, Amelia. Amelia, freaking amazing woman. Mm. I love any woman that stands for something, feels empowered, is putting the word out there, really empowering other women. Like, honestly, guys, you've got to check out this episode. It is my one of my personal favorites. Yeah. Um, you can learn so much. And it, you don't have to be a woman, right? It's as a guy, look into a woman's world. Because yeah. like, she's very raw in that interview um, about how she thinks, how she deals with pain, how she deals with mindset. Mm -hmm. So just understanding from a woman's perspective when you're dealing with this sort of thing, I think is very powerful. Yeah. And I, I feel like you can also find a lot of strength in her vulnerability. Yeah. And the idea of like, she talked about like your body is like a function, yes. a functioning tool versus like what it necessarily looks like, which yeah. is another powerful lesson that I learned yeah. through sport, actually. So that really yeah. resonated with me. And Using sorry, your vulnerability as power. Yeah. But it, yeah. So it's like also just like knowing what your body can do. Yeah. And like from a self-esteem like angle too, that's like so powerful. Because yeah. I feel like I remember the day that I learned that lesson. Right. And I was like, oh, wow. And I think I was like probably like 13 or 14 years old when I learned it, where I was like, oh, like these muscles are like useful for mm -hmm. something. And like just because I can't like squeeze into the like skin tight jeans, like, but my, but I can run sprints right. for days and like I can beat all those girls on the cross field because of like this power and strength. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's something she really embodies and everyone should, you know, adopt that. Agreed. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. What does Tom, Tom normally say in his outro? Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe. It's like it's a weekly show. <laughs> be sure to subscribe. Yeah. And until next time, Bye, my, my friend, friends, be legendary. <laughs> Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.